The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and with me tonight uh, is our uh, my usual sidekick, Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Hey, hello. Uh, Sue Timberlake is uh, away this evening, but uh, we have joining us here in the studio... Uh, the, the right honorable? <laughs> I don't know what the proper honorific is. Anyway, the mayor of Northampton, David Narkowitz. Uh, you've been on the show once before when I was away, so I'm glad to finally meet you, and welcome back to Civil Politics. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully we will uh, remain as uh, civil and uh, uh, worth being on as we were last time. Um, before we get into that, though, I just want to mention a couple of things. <clears throat> we like to hear from our listeners, even during the show. In fact, especially during the show. Our producer, Jonra, is keeping an eye on things. Bye. Yeah, hi. So you can get in touch with us in a few different ways. Our Twitter handle is at CivilPoliticsFM. Uh, on Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash CivilPoliticsRadio. And uh, you can email us at CivilPoliticsRadio at ValleyFreeRadio.org. Uh, also, we have a website, which is CivilPoliticsRadio.com, which has links to previous episodes of the show and good stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, information on all kinds of things. Uh, including some uh, supplemental uh, discussions that we do after some of our episodes. So those are amazing, and you should totally go listen to them. Um, Yeah, the other thing I just want to mention is uh, starting this Sunday, Valley Free Radio will be doing its fall fun drive. So uh, we hope you'll uh, listen to all of our great shows and make contributions. Uh, And I should mention that the estate of my late brother, David Dow, will be contributing, uh, once again, $10 for uh, every individual donor we get during the, the Pledge Drive week, which starts uh, on Sunday, Guy Fox Day, for those of you who have Anglophile parents, and runs through uh, the 11th, uh, Armistice Day. Or what's it called now? Veterans Day, right? No. Yes. 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 Right. 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 Memorial Day's in May. Anyway, so. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Um, yes. Yeah, so we hope you'll uh, contribute then. And... Uh, keep listening to all of our great programs. So in the meantime, uh, we have uh, uh, Mayor Narkowitz on. Uh, There's an election coming up in Northampton uh, next Tuesday. So you're running against uh, uh, Mr. Riley. Uh, Unfortunately, due to certain people whose names aren't Michael Dow at all, um, you know, not having things entirely well organized, we weren't able to actually get Mr. Riley on the show. So I'm going to, you know, maybe ask you a couple of harder-edged questions just to sort of, like, not be partisan. You know, I certainly don't wish you ill, but I don't want to be like, we're in the tank! Okay. <laughs> you know, trying to be... Go ahead, John. Uh, just like like you said, um, we did offer uh, Mr. Riley a, a few dates. Um, and we, yeah, we weren't able to Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> we are officially nonpartisan. I should so. point out, he did appear on uh, Rick Haggerty's Sunday morning show... Uh, peace, uh, kicking it for peace, culture, and education. Oh, he did. I believe last week or the week before. I'm going to try to get that an MP3 copy of that segment of his program, as well as this program, available for on our website or on our Facebook page oh, for listeners before the election. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. It's just excellent. You know. <clears throat> uh, yeah. 
don't want to don't want to sort of imply that Valley Free Radio has tries to have a thumb on the scale. It's not that we have much of a thumb, but you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, I wanted to, to ask you a few things about local politics. I mean, I don't live in Northampton. I live in East Hampton, but I do uh, own a, a business in Northampton. Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly interested in the town continuing to thrive and prosper. And I think we're we're doing pretty well. But uh, there were some local issues that I thought were <clears throat> uh, worth asking about. And I'm going to start with um, the uh, proposal by Chief Jody Casper, who was our guest a couple of weeks ago, mm. about putting surveillance cameras uh, in a few key locations downtown. Um, I, uh, I'm under the impression that you are basically okay with that idea, but if you would perhaps repeat yourself and explain what yeah. your position is in detail. Because I, on the whole, was like, I thought she made a good case. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I this, the chief, as you know, you've met her. She's a very thoughtful person, mm-hmm. very... Uh, level-headed. You know, level-headed. She's very smart. She's got, you know, not, not one master's degree, but two master's degrees. So no, she's very yeah. evidence-based and, and uh-huh. does a lot of research. And, um, you know, she came to me over the summer and, and said that, you know, this is something she's been looking at. Other... Area communities have downtown cameras, including Amherst, East Hampton, Belchertown, Holyoke, Springfield, Chicopee, Westfield, Boston, uh, and then Cambridge, you, Boston, Cambridge, yeah. pretty much the entire metropolitan Boston area, yeah. particularly since the marathon bombings have cameras. And then obviously yeah. places like Seattle and San Francisco and Portland and you know other kind of liberal cities. New York. New York, yeah. yes, exactly, have them. And so, and again, her goal for it was to... Um, solve crimes and and uh, and so you know we, we talked about it and the decision was and just so people understand the process because there's been confusion about it she was coming to me in the context of this is a piece of equipment we'd like to purchase and so the mayor develops the capital improvement program for the city for purchasing equipment cruisers whatever it is and so yeah. um, we, we decided that before we actually begin the capital process and put this through that whole process, it would eventually have to go to the city council yeah. for approval that let's have a community meeting about it. Let's let's have a discussion. Because obviously, you know, we wanted to be transparent about it. And and so she scheduled a community meeting. Yeah. Uh, there was quite a big turnout. And obviously, there was quite a bit of uh, controversy about the issue. And yeah. um, I think she tried her best to explain um, and, you know, talked about the fact that while Northampton does you know is not uh, overridden with crime as some people have <laughs> talked about? Um, we do have serious crime, and we do have we do have crimes that go unsolved. And twenty five percent of the calls they receive every year come from the downtown. Yeah. So this was seen as okay. This is a tool possibly yeah. that could help us. And you know we've had some pretty high. We have had some high profile crimes like the spree of arson fires yeah. that happened several years ago, where video cameras were very helpful. Um, and so. Again, we have cameras on our we are every inch of our parking garage has cameras, our schools have cameras, our yeah. school buses have cameras, yeah. our police and fire departments There's have cameras. There's a couple cameras. of cameras looking over the well, uh, god, the street the police station's on. Yeah, Center Street. Thank yeah, you. For the was, for that, the So so it's like not gothic. We had the meeting and um, <laughs> yeah. so I, you know, again, if if I didn't think that this was an idea that was worth considering, yeah. she wouldn't have had the meeting. Yeah. Um so I, you know, and I very clear during the uh, all the press accounts of it that I support her. So, yeah. so that was sort of that's my position on it, and um, and now it's moved forward. The council then 
you know, which is their right as yeah. the legislative branch uh, introduced a resolution, which they just adopted last night, a yeah. resolution, just sort of the it's sense. Not, it's not the force it, of law, but it's certainly. It's a sense of the council. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then they also have an ordinance that would outright ban cameras downtown that's still working its way through the process. And if that were to pass, um, yes. and I don't know exactly how, I, I, I'm ignorant here, <clears throat> like it's, we're not like uh, uh, the federal government where it's like they pass law and you have to sign it. And if you that don't, is correct, it's exactly like the federal. Oh, you have so, yeah. so, so in theory, anyways, I have you have a veto. Da- I have ten days to approve, uh, disapprove or disprove legislation. So it, it would come to me. And how much? Uh, by how many votes do, can they override your? It has your, to be a two-thirds majority. So okay. and you know they passed the resolution by seven votes. So. Uh, which would be, uh, you know, yeah. that's the resolution. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the the uh, you know the the ordinance um, is a little bit different than a resolution, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot more sort of granular detail that has to be thought about in there. So they're still working on that, and we'll we'll have to see. I mean, I, you know, I've been asked about whether I favor the ordinance. I personally don't think a ban is necessary because the yeah. city council has expressed itself. Yeah. The chief is not going to bring. For, we're not going to bring forward a spending request because obviously the council has yeah. said that that's not what they want us to do. So we're not going yeah. to do that. And, and, and the, the council and is the council, responding to a lot of voters, which yes. is something that matters in exactly. A democracy. It, yeah. Exactly. And the council ultimately has the final, they have the final veto over spending. Yeah. So so anyway, and again, I even during yeah. the debate, I, I talked about how in many of those other communities, they just put up cameras. Yeah. And so I think in Northampton, you know, we have a pretty strong democracy because yeah. of the debate you've heard. I think the yeah. debate has been robust. There have been lots of meetings, lots of hearings. So I'm actually really proud of it. I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with all of the things that have been tossed around about the chief. I don't think they're fair, and I don't think um, yeah, very, I agree. They're very fact based, um, and um, and so you know, here we are. Actually, so one question I had related to this that I. Uh, uh, I forgot to ask Chief Casper. As the mayor, you might have a better sense of this, anyways. Like, so the estimate I heard was like the camera she was looking at uh, and where she be placed them. It would cost like you know, around seventy thousand yeah. dollars, which is you know money. Yeah. Um, what kind of a fraction of the overall city budget is that? Is that like a ooh, or is that like yeah? That's that is just in the end a drop in our bucket. That is, um, yeah. I mean, just in terms of for for perspective, I mean, the overall city yeah. budget is one hundred nine million. A hundred and nine million. Yes, that's our mm-hmm. that's our overall city budget. Good God, I, so, I knew the city um, was doing all right, but yeah, I didn't know. So uh, you know, in the police department, budgets more on the order of you know five million, you know five to six million. So it's yeah. not it's not. I mean, you know, we buy cruisers every year that are sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year. Uh-huh. So um, so again, which by uh, the way, do have cameras in them. Uh, they have dashboard cams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were we were one of the early adopters of dashboard cams, yeah. which are, which are great, and I think that's oh, yeah. an excellent thing to have. And many of our, you know, most a lot of our police interactions are traffic stops. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I support that. And but but again, not in the grand scheme of things, not a large outlay of money. Um, con- and I've heard people say, well, you should spend that on police. The problem is, well, this is capital money. Yeah. That's one time money. Yeah. Um, it's a capital expenditure. A police officer, you know, there's training, there's uh, benefits, there's all that stuff, much more expensive recurring kind of cost. And the whole idea was that cameras would help because our police can't be everywhere at once. And so if yeah. a crime occurs, then we have the chance to go back and say, okay, let's see what happened. Yeah, well, I used to live uh, at 76 Pleasant Street back at like 98 to 2003, yep. uh, above what's now Deals and Steals. Okay. And... Um, 
you know, I, I I was on the back of the building right by what was then the Bay State Hotel and yes. some of the other, you know, Pearl Street and whatnot. Nice quiet place. It was night, it was yeah. fine actually, yeah, okay. but um, I was okay with it. But uh, there were certainly evenings where I heard like yelling and screaming and glass breaking and whatnot, you know, and. I have no idea if any of those things were actually like violent crimes or mm-hmm. just drunk people getting yeah. out, you know, yeah. getting drunk, you know. And uh, so it just, I, I don't think it would be crazy to say like, oh, if we had cameras, we could maybe see something. Well, I know, I can, t- I can tell you in our parking garage mm-hmm. where we have cameras, uh, we have very low, you know, crime issues in the garage. And when we do have crime, we just actually recently... Somebody decided to tag, you know, do some graffiti in our garage, and you know, we have them on camera. Mm. So, um, so it's really been helpful to prevent property damage, break-ins, things like that in the garage. Just anecdotally, and again, we're not, we're not. I, I think the other thing that's been unfair to the chief is she was very clear that like this is not. Um, you know, Jason Bourne, where we're going to have this room full of cameras and like a, you know, sophisticated uh, group of people like that. That's what I think of when I think of surveillance, Um, that it's not going to be like actively monitored. It's more just like, okay, there's going to be this, you know, recording and, you know, kind of like in the garage. I mean, we, it's, it's recording. If somebody says my car got broken into the police, go access the file, burn a disc and that's it. I mean, that's what they do. No one's sitting there watching the, yeah. And I can't imagine who'd want that job watching the parking garage. Uh, so that was the other piece that I thought was a little bit unfair to the chief, that this was a surveillance uh, effort. Because we do, mm-hmm. I mean, the police do surveillance. They definitely do surveillance. Yeah. Um, they've done surveillance in this neighborhood really close by. You may remember uh, recently next to, um, next to the uh, Pine Street, uh, you know, the, the little plaza down the street. Yeah, they, yeah, they next bro- to uh, they, uh, the Great Wall. That yeah, they broke up a, yeah. you know, regional uh, uh, human trafficking uh, uh, with uh, working with the Attorney General, and they used cameras in that case. Oh, right, case. The, it was the quote-unquote day spa. Or uh, it turned out to be quote-unquote day spa. Yes, uh, body, uh, Asian body work or something, yeah, I believe I was the, exactly. the term. And so they, but they did use cameras to surveil who was coming in and out of there yeah. and at what time. And so... They do use them for investigations. That is surveillance. I would definitely say that's surveillance. I, yeah. But the the idea but they also that, I believe had warrants. So uh, well, actually, I think that they have probable cause, or they're working on investigating. Uh, you know, and again, these are public spaces. So that's true. That's the other issue. I think that is, um, you know, the expectation I, of privacy. Like by def- the definition of public is you don't have an expectation of privacy there. That is correct, and, of, and I think yeah. the Supreme Court has been pretty clear that, and I, I think not, I can't quote them directly, but you know, sidewalks are the ultimate public yeah. forum. Yeah, uh, you know that that's like a you know side a public sidewalk is among they actually threw out the you know they overturned the actually uh, actually was in Boston the. Um, you remember they had the rule that you could only stand like 300 feet away from abortion clinics. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. They yeah. overruled that and said, I'm sorry, like you can't, you, you know, that's that's the ultimate public space. So I'm just yeah. saying that oh, yeah. public sidewalks. Even after that shooting in Brookline back exactly, in, uh, 25 exactly. years ago, I guess. But the idea is that you can't, you cannot preemptively block people's speech yeah. uh, because the, the, the free speech overrules the potential safety issue. So anyway, yeah. so I, don't, I also say, that, you know, again, I understand what people are concerned about, but at the same time, when people say that you have a right to privacy on a public sidewalk, that's just, like, not true. Yeah. Um, but I understand the concern, particularly well, when... And it's the same logic that says, like, if I can pull up my phone and film a police officer doing their job if they're like talking mm-hmm. to someone or yeah. whatever i can film that and the police officer may not be thrilled about that but yeah. it is 
totally it is appropriate or legal anyway completely yeah Yeah. and so again we had a really robust discussion about it and um and we're you know going to be moving on to other things but but i was really proud of the chief and i'm still proud of the chief and i think that uh she approached the issue i mean she engaged the community which is what we want our police to do yeah so uh i mean i think this is the definition of community policing. Yeah. Um, so, and she again stood up, stood there at the beginning, at the front of the room, and answered every question, and was very respectful and humble and not defensive. And yeah. And she said, you know, I learned some things, and we'll go back and look at them. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. as I said, to, to me, she made a she made a very strong impression mm-hmm. here as our guest on yeah. the show. I was very very fortunate to have her. So, um, Stefan, uh, did you know you've been sort of nodding along? Did you have something you wanted to or? Of, I have a different of question, yeah, um, and and it, it's a it's not a segue. So if uh, if that's you have why any, I threw over to you, okay. <laughs> if you have anything further to add, please about the surveillance cams in particular. Please cut in at any point. But um, I wanted to ask about uh, developing Northampton's residential stock, um, and I should note that the 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 former uh, uh, labor uh, lumber yard mm-hmm. property is now. Um, is is now been built um, mm-hmm. and is is in the, and this is wait is that the one by Holly Street? Uh, well, we just did the groundbreaking. You just excuse it. me. Yeah, yeah, you did the groundbreaking. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's now. Can in, I just which property? Was this by Holly? It's Street? Northampton Lumber, which is on Pleasant Street. Right. It's Pleasant on the corner Street. of Holyoke mm-hmm. and Pleasant Street. Uh, well, the property sits there. Holyoke so, and Pleasant. Um, uh, right. Across ones? from where? Um, wait, ho- uh, Northampton Coffee. That right. Block okay. Is, right. Yeah. Okay. Right there. Yeah. Sorry. So and that's that abuts by Holly Street because. That connects to is that Holyoke Street? I think uh, Holly's on the other side of the railroad tracks, but yeah. Holyoke yeah. Street. You turn left on Holyoke, you get to Holly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. Yeah. Yep. I and used to I used to work over there years ago. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. and that has um, fifty five affordable apartments. Mm-hmm. I think that's apropos because um, one of the number one complaints, especially from people my age who are trying to rent in this city, mm-hmm. is that rental prices are insane. Yes. Um, I mean, and this is a nationwide problem mm-hmm. in. Other cities, larger cities, especially mm-hmm. um, ones that are in demand. Um, I sort of want to just give you a chance to talk about. You've there's been other developments, mm-hmm. and you've talked about Pleasant Street in particular as yeah. a portion, a part of the city that you want to kind of, um, I think, sort of bring up to the same, uh, you know, the same level as we consider Main Street. It sounds like from what you've said. Yeah, I think I think. Um you know, uh, Pleasant Street is, uh, you know, the the way that it had developed over time was mm-hmm. it was more of a car-oriented development. Sure. Uh, you know, sort of a, a highway business type, you know, with mm-hmm. more drive-by kinds of businesses. And one of the things mm-hmm. we've been working on is how do we turn it more into a pedestrian-oriented, more, more right. densely, more like a downtown. It's not going to be Main Street, but more closer to Main Street than, say, you know, King Street, for example. Yeah, part of the walking district of Northampton. Exactly. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. so, and so the goal is, of course, you know, we've got these two great housing projects. We've got not only that one, mm-hmm. which is the former Lumberyard, but then the former um, uh, Northampton Lodging House, which right. was an SRO that was right. in pretty bad shape. And it's the one that's right, that's the one that's right by Sylvester's? Yes, right. that's been mm-hmm. torn down, and yeah. now there's a huge right. development. Another, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's by Hap Inc., mm-hmm. which is now called Wayfinders. But by the trail, by the, by the yeah, rail multi-use trail. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so the, um, they're developing. That's, that's another mixed-use development. It's going to have affordable as well as market rate. Both of these are going to have commercial and office space. Mm-hmm. So you've right. got these in great 
new clusters of housing and affordable housing downtown, which we supported. We gave funding to uh, CPA and community development block grants. Um, and then on top of that, we applied for what's called a MassWorks grant, mm -hmm. which is a grant to support infrastructure. Um, and we actually, the money was used to not only move a giant storm sewer that ran under the lumber yard, right. <laughs> um, and we didn't want to build a four-story building on top of a, a storm sewer in case we ever had to get to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we- Madness. Built, <laughs> yes. And then we we just did all the new sidewalks and bike lanes, and we yeah. did the raised crosswalks. Which are working. Yeah, know? and we wanted to really create a pedestrian scale for mm -hmm. all these people that are going to be living there. And I think it's really, sure. I mean, I think that one of the marks of a really strong downtown is to have a downtown that people live in. You know, yep. you want people mm -hmm. living who can be your customers and can be, you yep. know, shop in local stores and work in local stores and, yep. you know, whatever. So, so um so I think it's a great project, but we've been working on housing all over the city, uh, yeah. including affordable housing. Uh, I, you know, North, the rules in Massachusetts are that if you slide below 10%, um, then there's this kind of zoning that kicks in that gives developers um, an opportunity to kind of override your local zoning. We've never been close to the 10%, and we're always pushing to get it higher and higher yeah. um, because we really believe mm -hmm. in affordable housing. We, we do want people at every rung of the economic ladder to live here. So yeah. I think we've created like almost 200 units of new affordable housing during the time that I've been mayor, um, and it's something that – it's a legacy that's been you know, longstanding in the community. We've been do working with Habitat Humanity out in the more rural part of the city, out on Glendale Road, um, to build Habitat homes for first-time home buyers. Mm. Uh, we've got Soldier On up at the VA hospital who's been building home ownership for homeless veterans. So we have a pretty strong commitment to housing, and I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. um, people want to live here, but it's it's sometimes hard to afford to live here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are, are there other measures that you or would be consider would be willing to consider regulatory measures other than, you know, just investing, not just, you know, because yeah. it's significant, but investing in housing stock itself? Would you be, would it, are there avenues that the city of Northampton can take to um, either compel or encourage developers to um, build out sort of market rate or below market rate stock that can you know can can appeal to kind of a larger income scale? Yeah, I mean we've we've um, in some cases there's uh, there's something called um, uh, 40R, which is a which is a smart uh, smart growth uh, zoning, um, which again is the whole concept of smart growth. You want denser development. You want you know more, pe more people, more resource right. efficient. Exactly, and, and so we to avoid gentrification, you want to avoid we want to have people from multiple. Exactly. So we've done yeah. smart growth. We did a smart growth district up at Village Hill, for example. People right. may not realize Village Hill has a huge percentage of affordable housing. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and you don't really know it because all the buildings look the same. I mean, the, right. how, the homes all look the same. Uh, it looks expensive. It looks yeah. expensive, <laughs> but there's actually a lot of affordable housing there. Um, so that's one of our 40R districts. We just did another. We just passed another one on Bridge Street um, because actually Valley CDC owns a fairly rundown property on Bridge Street, and um, and we are going to give them the ability 
to build at a greater density than our zoning allows. But the trade-off is that we're going to get more affordable housing. Mm. Um, and we've incentivized it by giving them actually, they've actually applied for CPA money. They haven't gotten it yet, but, but there, those are some of the things you can do. You can relax your regulations and give an incentive to people to, to build at a higher density, which is obviously more from a, you know, if you're building a house or if you're, the more units you can create the Mm -hmm. more the financing works so so that's one way we've tried to incentivize it and i don't really think in massachusetts we can do rent control or i don't i'm not really sure that that's allowed under our yeah there was a i remember there was a ballot measure about that yeah i don't think it passed so we don't really have that level but um but we do try to be creative and encouraging that stuff so great uh we actually have a, a question from a listener Excellent. Um, so uh, the 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 question is: I've lived in Northampton for thirty four years. It's gotten very expensive to live here, as we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. One aspect is that the property taxes get raised to support the schools as an overrides. Uh, she's a retired teacher, and she knows she wants strong schools, but. Uh, she's very aware of people who say as the taxes go up, there are homeowners who can't afford to li- to continue to live here. And what are your thoughts about that? It's definitely one of the things that, uh, that I'm concerned about. Um, you know, part of it is the fact that we, let's start with the fact that in Massachusetts, we fund our municipalities with property taxes, which is, you know, one of the most regressive ways to fund yeah. government. Well, I think we're all on that page <laughs> exactly. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, we don't have a lot of other tools, a lot of other ways to do it. We live with the property tax. And then, unfortunately, we also have the, the two and a half cap, um, which was put in place many years ago. Um, that was like the early 80s. Or it something. was the early 80s. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't think inflation has grown at two and a half percent a year um but but so one of the things there is we've worked really hard i've worked really hard uh over the last four years to do multi-year budgeting to try to live within our means to not uh to not have huge increases i will also say that part of the problem um and i've talked about this in my budget messages over time is you can really chart uh over the last 10 or 15 years um the amount of aid coming to cities and towns from the state has gone down. You can kind of chart the two axes. Mm-hmm. You know, the reliance on the property tax has gone up. I mean, we used to, 10 or 15 years ago, we used to get like 30% of our budget was funded by state aid. We're now down to like 16% of our state budget. And so how do you think we made that up? We've had to make it up with the only revenue source we have, which is property taxes. So it's put more, I mean, Whenever I hear, uh, you know, governors or speakers of the House say, I'm not raising, you know, we're not going to raise taxes or, you know, we're not. And I'm saying, yes, you are raising taxes because because you're not raising income tax, you're 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 forcing communities to raise property taxes Mm. because that's how we're funding basic services. Yeah, that's the only way to fund. So, I mean. Your inability to raise a more progressive income tax is killing us at the local level because all we have is the the property tax. So yeah. those are kind of the larger macro issues that we face. Um, we I have tried we have tried to put in place different abatement programs, especially for seniors and retirees mm-hmm. yeah. who meet certain income limits. Um, 
my last term when I got elected, uh, we implemented, it's been a state law for many years, something called the Senior and Veteran uh, Workoff Program, which actually allows seniors or veterans to volunteer for the city to work. And we have them working at Forbes Library. We have them, and that basically can work off up to, now it's currently $1,000 off their tax uh, bill mm. just by doing volunteer hours, you know, mm-hmm. at the senior center or at the library, et cetera. We've also tried to really look at our all of our water, sewer, stormwater rates and build in affordability for those because those can also uh, put financial pressure. But yeah. the bottom line is that we have this one funding source um, and it's limited and uh, and it's the only major funding source that we have. And we're not really given any other tools. We were given a local option meals tax, which yeah. we enacted. Yeah, I remember. Uh, it's like 1% on meals. In it's Argentina. like 0.75 on oh, top of okay. the sales tax. Yeah. Um, and so we did that. Um, we have other small pots of revenue. But really, those are the only revenue sources we have. And right. We are, Un- unless you want to move to a model like, you know, Ferguson, Missouri, where you're, like, you're basically hitting people with more and more like parking tickets and other traffic tickets yeah the the, the uh, revenue through um, uh, through fines yeah which is problematic it is and, <laughs> and in Massachusetts we're you know we really fines are you know we don't really want to go to that route I mean we want to but again it, it kind of cuts to the basic problem we have this decreasing state aid I mean and you know you can look at a chart for the last 15 years and we're you know millions below what we used to receive in aid you know 10 15 years ago and that's not even accounting for inflation I mean we're, we're yeah. and so uh, the one thing about the, the um, uh, the economic decline we had back under Bush that sort of we slowly mm-hmm. been crawling out of Obama is inflation has been pretty low true the past few years so that true. that at least has been so, so my answer to that still, person is yeah. it, it's something we work on. It's something I'm committed to working on, and um, and I and I completely understand the concern because we want people yeah. who re- who lived here, worked here, who want to retire here. We want them to be able to stay, um, to be able to stay in Northampton and stay in their home. So I totally appreciate yeah. that, and it's something we're always working on. But I just want to also people to understand the context in which it happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we. Yeah, I agree. We, having Northampton be like a com- increasingly a community of affluent people like me is not necessarily <laughs> the best possible model. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we should take a short break here. So uh, we have uh, uh, our guest tonight as uh, Mayor David Narkowitz of Northampton here on Civil Politics. We're going to take a short break, play a few PSAs, station IDs, and so forth, and then we'll be back with more discussion. Um, and uh, I got a couple more questions to ask you about local politics. We might pivot to the new Republican tax plan because that gets at some of the issues you were talking about mm-hmm. here. And how do we pay for things? Um, anyway, so uh, we're going to play a few messages and we'll be back with more civil politics in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. This is Andrew Farris of NXS. Hi, this is David Santos with Eddie Japan. Hi, this is Midgeoff Multiple. This is Charlie Crisis, Eddie London. Hi, I'm John Waters. Hello, this is Mary Gold of Africa. Hello, this is Daniel Ash from Bath House, turns on Bell and Love and Rocket. And my name is Wendy, host of Subculture, a music program featuring new wave, electronic, indie, and funk music. You can catch my show every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. But if you miss out, no worries. Subculture replays Sunday mornings from 2 to 4 right after OK Asia, right here on Valley Free Radio. 
Sundays at 10 a.m., WXOJ's radio show, Occupy the Airwaves, has the latest news from the occupation movement, locally, regionally, nationally, and around the planet. Tune in at 103.3 FM or webcasting at www.valleyfreeradio.org. Blogging at occupytheairwaves.wordpress.com. Listeners can call into the show at 413-585-1033. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. The Lily Library is filled with adventure and wonder for kids and adults of all ages. Lily Library in downtown Florence lends books and movies to everyone. They offer free parking, free Wi-Fi, and two-hour sessions on Internet-connected computers. They also offer extensive programs for children, including story hours, clubs, and activities for teens, as well as adult programs. The library is open Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Saturdays and Sundays. Find out more at lilylibrary.org. I'm Rachel Maddow with the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission and the Franklin Regional Council of Governments for Valley Free Radio. Reminding you that legally, bicycles are vehicles and bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities and should observe the same rules as motorists. For more information on bicycle rights and safety, go to www.massbike.org. Valley Free Radio is a proud member of Pioneer Valley Local First. Pioneer Valley Local First, encouraging people to think local so they buy and bank local first. Pioneer Valley Local First also works to encourage companies in a friendly way to be socially, locally, and environmentally responsible. Thank you, Pioneer Valley Local First, for your support. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! You're listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. Today, community broadcasting is more important than ever. Corporate interests affect what music we hear on commercial radio, and real news and opinion take a backseat to ratings and profits. Valley Free Radio is owned by its members, operated by volunteers, its programming created by your friends and neighbors, and it's wholly supported by the community. Please consider going to www.valleyfreeradio.org donate to support free speech in the Pioneer Valley. Thank you so much. <clears throat> and 
Oh, Amy Goodman's cool. So thanks very much uh, for coming back. This is Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. And we have with us again, uh, or still, uh, Mayor David Narkowitz of Northampton. Uh, and uh, we have another listener question for him. So, uh, John, can you read that off? I can read. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> English even. So, where... <laughs> I wish I could translate into French or something. Where is the affordable housing on Village Hill? And what does and what does affordable mean? Village Hill was supposed to be mixed use, some stores, it really isn't. Why? So um the the affordability and there's different types of affordability. There's some that's like, you know, eighty percent of median income, there's some that's you know, hundred percent, there's some there's various uh there's some that's section eight. Mm-hmm. So there's various mixes of it. Um the hilltop apartments, which are um when you first drive on to Village Hill, they're actually the former uh nurses dormitories. They're actually one of the buildings that we've restored that the mass development has restored. Those are the two big brick uh buildings. Um there's uh those have uh, affordable apartments. Actually, a lot of them are affordable apartments. Um, By which definition? Because as you just said, there are several. Yeah, that one, you know, you're catching me on a Friday night. Uh, I just, I, yeah, like, if, so, if you don't know, yeah, you don't know. I do but not just, know, but those are definitely affordable apartments. They are affordable, meaning officially affordable through a through a program. Through, or through yeah. some official government exactly. definition. Um, okay. and, um, and then there are also, when you go uh, further into to the village, there's a... Um, there's some uh, split level uh, buildings as well. Those also have a mixture of affordability. And then the Ice Pond Drive, which is part of the overall Hospital Hill development, it's a little further up past the jail, mm-hmm. that also has actual affordable home ownership. Um, so, uh, and again, the, the way the development was structured, we were supposed to have a certain percentage of affordability. We've actually exceeded that. In terms of the mix, um, it's actually not true that, that there were supposed to be stores and, and lots of stores there because at the time we didn't want to compete with downtown, but we did right. want to have, we wanted a mix of commercial uh, and, and residential and you know, office. Um, obviously, the city's largest uh, manufacturer, taxpayer, commercial taxpayer, Cole Morgan, which is now L3KEO, yeah. located there. Yeah. Um, the gatehouse, which is the first building you see when you come in, um, is a commercial building. Fozzie and Associates is, is located there. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a building under construction right now, which uh, ServiceNet is building their headquarters there. And then if you go a little bit further in, we've got the um, assisted living uh, facility, which was built there, which is housing. Um, And it's actually interesting because half of the units, 43 of the 70 plus units are affordable assisted living, which means that you, you know, if once you... You know, um, once you're living on Social once you Security. lose all of your assets or expend yeah. all your assets, you can stay in the affordable housing. So that's a really unique yeah. uh, aspect. So we have affordable housing for different different ranges of affordable housing. You know, I know that they have been working to try to get you know a coffee shop or something there, um, but uh, but again, you know the it's it's all about the economy. It's driven by market. I mean, somebody we've it's been available for rent. Um, there's also another um, building, which is um, one of the other former buildings, which I know that they're working with right now, another commercial tenant. I don't believe it's going to be a, a, a restaurant or a retail shop. Um, but again, the, the Village Hill is very walkable to downtown. I mean, really walkable yeah. to Green Street and to, to downtown. Um, we've got the great bike trail connection. Um, so you're pretty close to all those things. 
um, in terms of the mix of commercial and residential, um, you know, we're still there's still some commercial lots on the front, actually right where the big field is in front of the um, Haskell building. There's a commercial lot there. Um, there's still a commercial pad where the um, where Cole Morgan is. And then if you turn down Earl Street, that's actually also part of Village Hill. And there's VCA, which is a woodworking, high-end woodworking firm, which is a manufacturing building. That's part of Village Hill. So mm-hmm. there is some, there is manufacturing, there's commercial and office, um, but there was, it was never supposed to be um, a like retail a retail line. district mm-hmm. like downtown. And because, you know, the city, city uh, groups that were involved in planning it didn't want to set up a competing system next to downtown which yeah i think is pretty reasonable mm-hmm. yeah. exactly mm-hmm. go ahead john you have uh just to oh. just to interrupt um according to hud uh, affordable housing in general is uh ho- housing for which the occupants are paying no more than 30 percent of his or her income for gross housing costs including utilities uh and that might be different for the state mm-hmm. and i looked at the state in the uh chapter 40b are you of um of the of uh, of uh, zoning, uh, Chapter Forty B. I'm familiar with Forty B. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the uh, let's see, uh, generally priced at seventy percent of of medium or below. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So oh, uh, who make less than eighty percent of the median that and are generally sp- uh, priced yeah. at at seventy. And Forty B is that law that I mentioned that there's a, yes. a trip wire that if you fall below ten percent, then developers can basically override your zoning. Uh, ten percent of affordable, affordable housing. housing. Yeah. Yes, um, so I forget what they call that. I don't know the snob rule or something <laughs> like that. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a term. But basically, you know, we've never been close to that, and we pride ourselves in not aiming to stay at ten, but to, to go above that. So I think they call it. Oh my God, the hoi polloi are coming. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, again, the you know there are a lot of communities. You know, and Secretary Ash, the yeah. Secretary of Housing and Community Development, when he was there for the groundbreaking, was like, you know, there are a lot of communities that. You know, would do every. You know, don't don't want to have this type of a housing system in mm-hmm. their community. So, like, you should be commended that that you're doing this. So, I'm proud of it. And so, we do have affordability at Village Hill. You know, and we do have commercial at Village Hill. And the other thing is, when Village Hill was being proposed, there was a lot of concern that there's going to be all this housing. There's going to be tons of traffic. There's going to be all these new kids in the schools. We're not going to have enough room for them. The way it's really played out is there's really not as many cars because we built it close to downtown. Many of the families that are there, there are kids that are there, but really most of the families that are there, there haven't been a lot of new kids. There, oddly enough, there have been a lot of like retirees who. Well, decided, you have assisted living, so we have assisted living. We've also had people who've downsized into condos, you know, sure. sold their homes and downsized there. So there really haven't been the traffic as well as the other implications for the city in terms of school costs and things like that. It really hasn't borne out like people were concerned about. And the housing has been very popular. And I will also say that the next phase in the final uh, 35 acres is actually Valley CDC um, is going to build another affordable system there as well, an affordable apartment building. Um, so there's going to be more affordable housing, actually two affordable apartment buildings. So the final phase, and back when the original planning was happening, like in the 80s, there were like, you know, McMansions or like really big homes that were planned back there. So it's kind of interesting to see how far we've come that now, you know, there's, there really isn't a market for them. And there's actually a co-housing development as well happening there yeah. because co-housing is really popular. So smaller homes. You mean more, like, like duplex house type things? Co-housing is, you know, we've got a co-housing system here in, already in Northampton. It's kind of a communal 
uh, living. Um, everyone kind of buys into the co-housing and there's sort of a shared governance. They have a common space. Oh, okay. Like um, around a courtyard or something. It's sort of like that. Yeah. So oh, okay. anyway, so that's my Village Hill piece. Well, all right. It sounds horrible. I can't imagine why you'd ever want to talk about it. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's been a really, it's yeah. been a great success. Uh, it's just taken a long time to, you know, to redevelop. It's, and again, the yeah. city is not the state, actually. It's state property and mass development, which is the state's economic development arm, has been the developer of the project. Yeah. The state is there in an advisory role, but it's really not the city that's doing the development. So I noticed we're, we're, we're getting closer to the end of the show yeah. here. So I wanted to take a moment to ask, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, so one of the questions I, I, I wanted to be sure to ask you, because I've been, so, you know, I ran a comic book store for a few years and I've, I've had, you know, some, some job experiences. And one of the things is I've noticed, I especially noticed once I started taking over like more management, managerial responsibilities, instead of just being like guy working the counter or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that I became more aware of like, I, I care about fixing the problem less about whose fault it is. And I became more interested and aware of like the ways in which I could do better in which I could, you know, I, I, you know, I'm I'm good at customer service, but I still have ways to improve and mm-hmm. whatnot. So you've been mayor for six years now, yeah. Yeah. So obviously you haven't completely screwed it up, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm sure you there must be ways in which you're thinking like, you know, I could do that better, or wow, I I now I know how to do this, or you know, what are the ways in which you think you like you've improved, and the ways in which you think also you have room to improvement, or like what's the What's the thing you, you like most want to work on? Yeah, I mean, this can be a loaded question. I know it but, can yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think you know it's a. I, I always joke to people, and it's true. Like I learn, I learn every day in this job. Yeah. I mean, I, every day I uh-huh. learn something. You know, there's just the things that come across my desk, or the questions that come up, or the problems that arise. So it's always a yeah, learning when you, experience. When you're engaged and interested in it, that that's. I mean, I found the same thing. Yeah, running a comic book store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you know. Like the camera thing is a good example because I think I, you know, I've tried to make sure that the decision making that happens that we have, it's thoughtful, that we structure it in a way that we get as much input as we can get on it. I mean, you know, I've been doing meetings for all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, town hall meetings about budgets or, or you know, having f- uh, focus sessions about our community, about, you know, designing, redesigning Pulaski Park. We did a lot of public outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that's probably the big lesson. So I think, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe six years ago, uh, as a brand new mayor, the police chief comes in with their uniform, and you know, it was a different police chief. But and they said, you know what, we this will be great. We we're going to put up cameras. Maybe I would have said, okay, yeah, let's put up cameras, and yeah. I wouldn't have said, you know what, we should have a community meeting. Like yeah. we should, we should talk to the public about this. We should really. Mm-hmm. This is going to be one of those issues that I know people are going to be want to want to talk about so let's do it so i think that's all i think that's probably one of the lessons that i've learned um is to like okay let's Mm -hmm. step back for a minute we think here in this room we think this is a really good decision and we've got experts Uh but let's let's make sure that we get some feedback let's get some public feedback let's not wait till we're into like a budget process or whatever it is when it's a much more stilted formal process let's get some feedback so i think that's one of the big things um i've learned um and in terms of improving, I mean, I think I'm always trying to, I meet with my department heads all the time. We try to set goals for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we try to set, you know, 
I, I'm really a data person, so I've used, sometimes I've been criticized because I've used consultants. I've brought consultants in mm-hmm. to help us, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert in these things. Sure. And sometimes the people who are working in them um, are just too deeply involved. We brought somebody in, we brought in the, oh my gosh, that's really bad. We brought in the um, Collins Center a few <laughs> years ago from UMass and um, to look at our IT systems. I thought our IT systems, when I first got elected, were like just, way behind where they should be yeah yeah. Um, really did a deep dive on our it systems and we've now taken that study and really systematically kind of redone all of our it department we've got a new we finally merged our city and school it departments together we've got a we've got a cio now Mm -hmm. we're doing amazing stuff um so i really think that uh for me you know i take the i take the the position and I even have a little button like mm-hmm. that says because we've always done it this way and it has an arrow through it because that, yeah. there's definitely in an institution like government there's definitely that sense of like well we've always done it this way yeah. and my 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 question is like well why like yeah. why are we doing it this way and is it working and are there other ways we could do it so that's kind of my growth well and, mindset. and, and working for whom exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah and um and so you know the things things that we're doing in parking and in other areas like you know we just introduced the new app which has been wildly popular amherst actually is just about to roll theirs out we're really trying to find new ways to innovate and do things more efficiently not only because it it's more customer friendly but it saves money as well so so that's kind of like the things that i'm always trying to improve on and trying to improve as a manager and and as a leader um, and I also really rely on, I want feedback from the people who are on the ground doing the work. So we're always sure. trying to get feedback from, you know, it's great that you, you know, some engineer designed something, but you're the guy that's actually going to have to make it work every day. So mm-hmm. we want your feedback. So I think it's really important to, to get down at that level to really make sure we're, we're making the right decisions. And, and that's where you're constantly working to, to get better at? Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think well, we're all, I'm, I'm not. I think, I'm not I, Nate gainsaying. No, no, no. I think that's. What, <laughs> I think that's the stuff we're always trying to make sure because I have to make a lot of decisions. Um, that's yeah. one of the things you know, uh, and so making sure that the decision making is sound and making sure that I'm getting the best advice and making sure that there's a feedback mechanism so that we're remembering that I'm working for 30,000, 28,000 people, yeah. and I want to make sure that I'm that I'm mm-hmm. you know hearing from them as well. Well, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the elections are among other things job interviews. So, like, most that's, definitely, that's one of the things it's good to know. Is most that, definitely, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> Stefan, I have a question. Maybe this can be a bit of a segue from the granular issues um, about city governance, although those are very interesting and relevant, and will continue to be so. Mm-hmm. Um, you endorsed uh, Seti Warren, uh, mayor of Newton, Massachusetts, and candidate yep. for uh, the gubernatorial race next year. There are three candidates. Um, also, Jay Gonzalez, former budget chief for uh, governor, former governor Deval Patrick, and Bob Massey, um, who's an entrepreneur. Um, Plus that Charlie Baker guy. I yeah, that ch- those are on the Democratic side. <laughs> Mr. Baker, of course, is running for re-election um, and will probably be a formidable, formidable candidate. Um, and I'll I'll sort of pitch this to you. You can answer it how you want. Uh, do you see yourself taking a larger role in state politics and maybe beyond that, um, above and beyond your advocacy for Northampton as a city? Okay. Meaning 
am I running for some higher office? <laughs> Not so much a, running, yeah. but do you see yourself sort of being a broader advocate for other candidates or sort of doing work on policy that transcends the city's own interests? Yeah, well, I mean, in the case of Seti Warren, I mean, Seti is a, is a former, is a, is a colleague. He's a fellow mayor from Newton who's been really successful. Um, he's somebody that I've um, admired and, uh, and I, you know, I frankly wish we had more mayors involved in government, including mm-hmm. in Washington, because I think where a lot of the innovation and a lot of the day-to-day management of government is happening at the city level. So um, so I do support SETI, and I'm going to try to help him once I'm done with my own campaign. I want to try to, because I do think that having a governor um, really affects the things we were talking about earlier, about fiscal policy in the state, about mm. education policy, about all these things. Having the governor is really important. And there's been a marked difference between when Deval Patrick was governor and when Charlie Baker. I, you know, I know Charlie... Charlie Baker's a nice, nice enough fellow, and but in terms of having a vision for the for the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. um, you know, his vision is really like we can cut and outsource our way out of every problem. When pretty much we know some of the fundamental problems. I mean, we've had a study done that basically shows that we're underfunding our public school system by two billion dollars. You know, conservatively, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we've seen what's happened with the MBTA and like the, his fixes have been okay. Let's privatize. Let's outsource. Let's yeah. do this. The MBTA is in no better shape. Yeah. Um, so I think that so I do get involved in those issues. As a mayor, I've actually gotten involved in a lot of statewide mm-hmm. issues, policy issues on the gaming question. I was a very outspoken. You mean the casinos? Casinos. I was a. Cas- I, I was an outspoken. As someone who owned a, an actual store that sells yes. board games and card games, I hate the casinos okay. are called gaming. That's true. Sorry, that. sorry about that. No, I get it's that. It's gambling. I hadn't, I hadn't not yeah, you're right. It's gambling. Uh, right here in River sorry. City. That is uh, that is purely my own peccadillo. No, that's that's totally fine. But no, I I was very outspoken on that question. I've yeah. been very outspoken on on charter school funding. Sure. Uh, and mm-hmm. so and I you know been testified before the legislature on a lot of issues. So I think it's important for mayors to be involved on state policy because, mm-hmm. you know, stuff rolls downhill toward yeah. cities and towns. So it's incumbent upon us mm-hmm. to be involved. So, so yeah, th- so I do, I do try to be involved in those things, but my first priority is the city and, um, sure. and working on the city. Yeah. Great. So <clears throat> we got a, f- a few minutes left. Um, so uh, actually what you mentioned that you're uh, 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 you want to oppose the uh, expansion of charter schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so what um, what do you see is like the way like this is going beyond like sort of your immediate sort of remit as like mayor of Northampton. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how would you suggest that we do a better job of like because like Northampton has good schools. That's one of the things about Northampton. It's got good schools in part because the mm-hmm. state, the, the, sorry, the, the city is willing to hike property taxes and put money into that. But like, you know, communities around Northampton, many of them do not. You know, like uh, Holyoke has, you know, long had problems with funding its schools properly. And mm-hmm. East Hamptons, there's, you know, there's a big argument about like rebuilding the high school and do we really need to do that and how are we going to pay for it? Mm-hmm. And, um so um, whether or not you are reelected to be mayor of Northampton, mm-hmm. you, you want to work for your, your friend, the mayor of Newton, to 
become governor. So like, what would you like to see at the state level to like really change how we fund education? I, mean, like- I think the way that you fix the public school system in Massachusetts, which is one of the oldest in the country. I mean, we, it's in our constitution. And, oh, is uh, it? I yeah. Did, public uh, education's in our constitution. Huh. And, uh, you know, right here in Florence, right nearby, we have one of the oldest free kindergartens in the country mm-hmm. at the Hill Institute. Um, the way you do that is you, not by, by sort of diverting resources away from public schools and I, setting up these sort of, you know, the, you know let's call them, I understand that um, charters were developed to, for mostly for struggling inner city schools to try to set up a choice. But here in Northampton and in Amherst and in the Valley, we have some of the best public schools around. Um, and But people are allowed to set up these charter schools, which are kind of boutique schools, and they don't serve poor and disadvantaged children. Actually, if you look at the demographics of them, they're mostly upper-income uh, families who have the ability to drive their kids somewhere. And so I just think that the whole idea that if we, we know that there's a funding issue, why are we going to not increase the overall revenue source for schools? We're going to strip it away. So you know, Northampton's going to write a check for $2.5 million to the area charter schools around us. Yeah. How is that helping public education? Anywhere. Um, it's yeah. just diluting it, and it's taking the same amount of money and really just diluting it. And so, um, and again, there's inequities because the public's, a public school is we take it, we educate anyone. We educate students that, you know, wherever they are, if they're disabled, if they're disadvantaged, doesn't matter. The charters have sort of figured out a way to kind of, you know, avoid that. And they're not really, they're not, you know, through lots of different methods, their admissions process, whatever it is. And that's not a public school. And we shouldn't be funding those schools with public dollars. I I agree. And we can even do a supplemental chat about that if you like. But I just like, I'm just wondering, like, what would you change what would what's the state level policy you know you would say like hey this is what you well know. we're going to have a chance to do that on and next year there's going to yeah. be the uh, fair share amendment on the ballot which is going to be a, it's basically the millionaires tax so basically it says oh that, good heavens yes i'm sorry about that <laughs> mr howell uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh whatever uh, the basically any income over a million dollars because we have a flat tax in massachusetts yeah. you know we have a flat income tax yeah which is not a progressive tax but any income over over a million dollars, there'll be an additional, I think it's like 4% on yeah. top of the 5%. And the funding from that will be de- dedicated evenly to transportation and education. Hmm. So that's for an example of we're going to create a new revenue source to be able to fund um, education and transportation, two of our big needs that we have in Massachusetts. So for me, it's about revenue. It's really, and again, I know people say, oh, we're wasting money and yada, yada, yada. But when health, I mean, Health, the the current funding formula for schools, the Chapter 70 formula, didn't account for the fact that healthcare was going to go up like 7, 10, 15% every year. Yeah. Like it's not built into the formula, yet it has been. And cities and towns have had to absorb that. Yeah. It didn't it didn't account for special education costs and all the federal mandates, but we have to pay for those. So, right. it and again, the federal government has a role in this, the state government. Uh, so I would work on policy there uh, yeah. to try to change fiscal policy around education. Oh. I, I agree with that. And we've got to wrap up, actually. Okay. So thank you for joining us, Mayor David Narkowitz. Thank you for having me. Um, so Sorry that, I couldn't work in a Star Trek reference. I'll that's all right. To, try to do better <laughs> next, next time. time. <laughs> yeah, that would be logical. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all for Civil Politics Tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Stay tuned for Subculture coming up next. Uh, and that's all for now. Good night.
This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, episodes from our archives, and other projects, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.